It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. Monday, August 17th, getting set for the Bucks and the Magic Game 1. That'll be Tuesday at 1.30. And to talk about that and much more, Magic legend Bo Outlaw. He was on the floor the last time the Magic faced the Bucks in the postseason. That would have been back in 2001. And he joins me today here on the Magic Weekly Podcast. Bo, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm going to have to join you a lot more. I, I like this legend thing, though. <laughs> you, you, you like that? You like that? I'll throw As long as you join me, then you get, the, you get that, uh, that phrasing. That's how we do it. Uh, everybody's a legend here on the Magic Weekly Podcast. What, what have you been up to, dude? Like, what, what's quarantine life for, like for Bo Outlaw? Uh, at the beginning of quarantine, it was quarantine. <laughs> as things kind of lightened up, we got a, I got a gym we work out. You can't get in without temperature check, sanitize your shoes, sanitize your hands. So right. I feel pretty good at the gym I work out. Uh, kids play a little little AAU. Once again, can't get in without a mask, can't get in without temperature check, can't get in without sanitizer, can't get in the gym until the other team leaves the gym. So it's a lot different. As I say, the new norm, walking around with a mask on outside, I'm kind of cool with it. I can look at it one or two ways. I can either wear a mask or I can be sick in the hospital, which I don't want. So I, I, I deal with the mask all day. It's a responsible way to look at it. And to be honest with you, I wish everybody looked at it that way, but we are where we are. When you look at, Bo, when you look at what the NBA has been able to accomplish with the Disney campus and, and just the undertaking, 113 pages of, of safety protocols and, uh, you know, knock on wood, no positive tests just yet. Um, it's pretty amazing that they've been able to even get to this point, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's amazing, and responsibility is very, very key here because, as you notice, a lot of the guys are worried about their family. A lot of guys backed out because of that. The NBA tried to make sure that they take care of the players because the players are going to take care of their families, and everyone wins in this situation. Players get to play. Fans get to watch sports. Advertisers get to advertise, you know what I'm saying? So everybody wins as long as we just follow that 113 rules, you know what I'm saying? Did you anticipate that they'd be that this would work? I mean, I, I think everybody had doubts in the first place, but it looks like, and the NHL has done a great job as well, it looks like this bubble model is essentially the only way uh, to, to pull off professional sports right now. Right. Uh, did I think it would work? I was kind of hectic. A skeptical, I could say, because uh, when you look at it, you got these guys in one place, which they could do that part, but it's the fact that they're away from their families for so right. long. That's the key right there. Uh, but them being in the bubble, yeah, you're going to be safe because you got everybody in one place, so you know what's going around. The same guys, same people around each other, so that's how you eliminate a situation. Keep us in this little isolated, isolated area, and we're going to be fine. Once you leave the area, you got to stay in this area till you get cleared again. So, I mean, that's that's the best way to do it right now. And uh, my thing is, how do you do it for next season mm. with all the teams? It's going to be tricky. And they're, and they're putting in such work to try to pull that off. And, and I like what Adam Silver's been saying basically the whole time. We're going to go by data and not dates. And, and that's the way yep. you got to do it at this point. I mean, every day things change. And it's been that way since March, and uh, it's crazy to think about how far we've come in what basically the last five months. But what about the basketball? Like, what, 
what did you expect heading in? I think we all expected it to be really sloppy and bad shooting and, and sort of the strange environment of playing in an empty gym. And I haven't seen any – if anything, the defense is, is kind of catching up to the offense. You know, we're seeing 125, 130 points a night, and the league is sort of there anyways right now. But the hoops have been pretty damn good, haven't they? Most definitely. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting nothing less. Those guys are pros. Hmm. You put them in a gym and say play basketball, they're pretty good at that. That's why they are where they are at. Saying sloppy, no, because look at it like this. These guys had time to train, many training camps. Everything was sped up, but you you got the best of the best playing basketball and what they do. So I was I was not surprised at them playing basketball and being this successful. The competition is great, and the guys are just out there doing what they want to do, play basketball, and that makes it easy. So for them to say it's going to be a little drop-off, nah. These guys are too excited and getting ready to get back to basketball. I was nervous, though, about the about conditioning. I mean, it was funny. When, when practice facilities closed back in March, you know, people online are like, oh, you know, every player's got a court in, in their backyard. And, and I'm going, that's not how this works. Like a lot of the, especially the younger players in the league, they live in apartments and condos. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Paul, LeBron James have palatial estates with, with, with courts and stuff because they're older and they have kids and they made a whole lot of money. But there's a whole lot of players who, when the practice facility is closed, that closed their access to hoops. And I'm sure, you know, a bunch of them went out and bought uh, you know, a, a, a stanchion, a standalone basket for their driveway, but I was, I was sitting there going, there's going to be some guys who are at a real disadvantage here uh, just because they don't have access to those facilities. Yeah, you could say that, but, I mean, if you look at it like this, how long was, how long was the pause in the NBA? What, uh, three months? Four yeah, something months? like that. If you, if, in reality, that is the end of the season break. It's like an off season. Exactly. So for them to come back and just get their conditioning, yeah, with it – was it sped up? Yes, but it's they got their time to recover, heal, and come back fresh. So for them to come do what they normally do on a short, like you say, it was short. The training cap and that thing was short. Yeah, but the rest and recovery was needed. And they just came back fresh. And, and after not doing nothing for five, four months, yeah, that was all in. Like, I, everyone, everyone in, in the United States was all in. They wanted some some form of release. Sports is a release. What would you, like, I keep thinking about how, and, and people have made a lot about it, you know, all the downtime. Like, like what are you going to do? And I'm going, well, it's essentially like an extended road trip, right? Like, you go out on the road, you, you know, maybe you go out for dinner or whatever with, with the guys when you get in or if you have an off day, but you're practicing, you're playing, and you're sleeping, and you're rehabbing, and that's what it, that's what it is. What do you think it's like being in there and, and, and the downtime? Like, what would you do? You play cards? I, I, I just have to think, yes, you focus on basketball and you got a game every other day. And so it's, it's essentially all business. Um, but it's got to be a weird vibe being in there and trying to figure out what to do with your downtime. Uh, a lot of guys in their teammates, a lot of guys in their friends. And uh, Internet makes a lot of things possible. So yeah, a lot right. of FaceTiming, a lot of video games a lot of online playing, a lot of online trash talking. So in today's society, it's kind of easier to survive in isolation, as we call it, the bubble, because you have the internet world makes it so accessible 
everything else. The only thing that they cannot do is physically touch their loved ones. Right. But they can see them all day, every day. Talk to them, see what's going on. You're not going to miss too much because I can FaceTime. Oh, look what happened. Look at them walking. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's tough. But like you say, playing every other day, getting practice, getting treatment and rehab and recovery, it makes it a little bit easier. And as, as I meant to tell you say, um, earlier, you thought it'd be a little different playing an empty gym. When they practice, the gym is empty. Right, right. So they kind of used to it. Do they prefer it? No, but they are used to it. You know what I mean? When they're in the gym in the summertime playing pickup, the gym is pretty empty except the people around the side. You know what I'm saying? So right. these guys know how to play basketball in any gym. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a testament, I think. And it's like you said, like, it was the best case scenario for everybody, most of the players. And, and granted, there were, you know, some players who opted out, and that was absolutely their right. And you understand why so a lot of the guys who did had, you know, extenuating family circumstances to do that. But, you know, like you said, I think it, it took great buy-in from, um, from the players' union, from Michelle Roberts, from Adam Silver, from the owners, and from the players specifically. And everybody has said, this is what we need to do in order to accomplish what's best for everybody. We want to play, we want to generate that revenue, and we want to give the country something uh, something to rally around and, and, and a distraction in, in crazy times. So it's been awesome that we're even at this point, um, knock on wood, that we're able to keep it going. What have you seen through the seeding games? Let's talk about Dame, I guess, specifically. I mean, uh, TJ Warren was a big story, obviously. The Suns go wait and no. There's been a lot of storylines sort of emerging, but those Blazers, that Blazers-Lakers round one matchup is going to be amazing and and just seeing Damian Lillard I mean 42 51 61 points three games in a row um he's been exquisite hasn't he yes I'm I'm not surprised the, the guy does it every year and he's one of the guys that people overlook and never talk about when they say oh this player's great over here he he's always since he's been in the league he's been one of our best guards in the league He's always been overlooked. He's been not all-star, not on dream team, not on all-star team. Like he's, but every year he does something like, wow. We talk, I was talking to a couple of friends and I said, let a sleeping dog sleep. Mm. If he's up on the porch, don't bother him. They talked to that man and got that man riled up. And what happened? Talking about bye-bye going home. He's not going home. He has he has fight in him. He's he's a competitor. You talk to a guy like that and still have a chance. We're gonna try to see what we can do about that. He did all he he could do, and he has a great supporting cast. You know, Nurkic came in and played great, which they needed. Yep. This Lakers run, the Lakers Portland thing is gonna be incredible because Nurkic is the X factor. You think? Come on, man. I mean what that front line, for? that front line with the Lakers. You you never quite know what you're gonna get. I mean, you know, AD will play. They'll but play to five, but I think they feel better, especially for the first three quarters, uh, having either Dwight or JaVale next to them. So, so Nurkic absolutely, I think, changed the complexion of, of the Blazers' season. They come back with their uh, with him and with Collins at healthy, and it's a whole different team. I'm interested, though. I, I'm wondering how that's going to go um, as, far as, as far as that Lakers series goes with, with that front line. Watch it like this. If Nurkic plays the five and AD plays the five, that banging for the whole game of 80 on Nurkic is going to take his toll. Right. Now, because Carm- guess who's Portland's for? Carmelo. Carmelo, yeah. 
So that's not a bad four. Mm-hmm. So Nurkic is a key factor because if they play Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee at the five, they're going to take them away from the rim because he can shoot it. He can play in the pool. He can play anywhere on the court. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So therefore, if they set the pick and roll with Nurkic, them bigs cannot back up because he can shoot that shot. So that allows Lillard, McCullough, uh, Junior. I say Junior because that's um the type of the Mac. You know, hey, Trent. Trent. You got him coming around. Those guys come up that pick and roll. They're very capable of getting the bucket. So Nurkic is going to be the X factor. When you got to take Nurkic out and put in Whiteside, then the game comes back to reality for them because he's not a stretch big. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if Nurkic, he's 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 very important for them because they guards. You know what you're going to get from a color Lillard. All that guards. You know what you're going to get. What you get from your big? So what do you get from your five over there? Without him, what have they got? Think about it. They, they, they were they were six, seven games below 500. I mean, that was, you know, they were on the outside oh. looking in the Western Conference. And we know that team, oh. you know, based on last year, that's a that's a conference finals team. Exactly. So when he gets, when he's healthy, comes out there and, build, man, he changes the game. So it's, this is going to be a good series because LeBron is going to be at the three. So therefore, they're going to have the advantage. But once they get the game flowing, that's when the game changes. How do you do your chess pieces? What do you do? What move? I got to, it's, it's, it's going to be, I, I'm ready for this playoff because I'm excited for, I'm excited for this. This is basketball all day. Like from one to like nine, I'm cool. Oh, it's been great, hasn't it? It's been like a pig in slop. I mean, real quick with the Lillard thing, because I think Paul George knew what he was doing now. I mean, he, he pokes that bear and then he gets out of the way and lets the Lakers deal with it. Like, uh, like that's some, that's some uh, devious stuff, I think. Yeah, hey, if listen, if Paul can eliminate them, Cooper's thinking they have a really good chance of winning. If you think about it, right? That's their thought process. So let me let me rile this cage up. Let me get those that bees and that beehive stirred up, and I'm gonna drive off and leave for the people to come up to open the door. Like, hey, <laughs> exactly. There might have been some uh, some method to his madness. Um, all right, we're talking to Bo Outlaw, Jake Chapman here with you. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. Um, it's been, man, it's been a, a, a trying season for the Magic as far as the injuries go. It's been a trying couple couple weeks here. Um, obviously, J.I. goes down. That's, you know, such a fatal blow to basically the entire franchise. I mean, that just really, really stung. And then you saw the last couple games without Aaron Gordon, without Evan Fournier, without Michael Carter-Williams, um, kind of what it looks like. If the Magic are able to get whole, and I do expect just about everybody to be back come Tuesday, what do they got to do? How do you how do you shock the world and uh, and pull off an upset or even just win a handful of games against these Milwaukee Bucks? You, uh, my my thoughts, my game plan would be let Antetokounmpo beat you. He got he's gonna have to prove he can beat us. What do I mean by that? If if I can get Antetokounmpo to shoot jump shots, we're gonna win. He scores what twenty eight points a game, something like that. Mm-hmm. Jake, you got all the stats now. Help me out. What's what's what he average? About twenty what? Twenty seven? Twenty eight? No, oh, I think he's yeah. I think he's up at uh two uh, twenty nine and a half. Thirty. Right, might be thirty. Okay. Yep. So out of those thirty points, where the majority of those points come from? All in the ring or in the in the lane. There you go. If we can let him catch the ball and sag back, sag back, and let him shoot that jump shot. If he's just 
If we can get him to shoot that jumper, advantage magic. Because Bledsoe's pretty good at shooting it. Uh, Lopez's pretty good at shooting it. Yeah. Middleton's really good at shooting it. Uh, DiVincenzo's, he's I at shooting it. You know what I'm saying? Who's that worst shooter on the court but has the ball the majority of the time? That's him. So this is one of two things that happen. We can get him to shoot the jump shot or we can take the bad boy's approach. <laughs> Every time he comes to the paint, he fills us. And does that and, and if you do that, Bo, I mean, because I think he shoots 10 free throws a game. And now, you know, he's not the greatest free throw shooter. But even if you shoot, what does he shoot? He's just 63%. Exactly. But if he's shooting 10 a game, then he, that's six points at the line. I don't know if you can afford that. You know, I'm not yeah. – I think and, – and plus he's so big and strong and he just bounces off guys. The bad boys approach, like, I'm not sure that's going to work now. It's not going to work in this time of day, but I'm not saying foul him. I'm saying he has to get contact. He has to get contact. I'm not trying to say foul him. Just once he gets that, bang, bang. Think about it. You play pickup basketball from time to time. Am I correct? Yes, I do. So if you bang the whole game, it takes its toll on you. So for him to do that for four quarters, it's going to take his toes off. If I got to bring a guy in off the bench, okay, I need you to go to 94 feet for five minutes. Touch him, touch him, make him uncomfortable, make him work to get the ball. You know what I'm saying? That's all you need to do. Go out there, give me five good minutes of him being uncomfortable. 94 feet. That's that's what, and, and obviously the size is a little different, but nobody matches up with Giannis size wise. It's going to be Aaron who's going to be checking him um, yep. most of the time. And I don't want him to do that. No. <laughs> I don't want him to bang in 94 feet. Right. Aaron's big enough and strong enough to guard him in the half court. And you need him, but you need Aaron at the others. I mean, Aaron's going to be playing him, you know, 30-plus minutes as long as that hammy holds mm-hmm. up. Who, so who is that – who do you do – who do you put in that role? Is it is it a one-do? Is it MCW if he's healthy? I think MCW, you could speak to this, I'm sure. You know, that guy brings the spirit and the fight that sometimes you're missing, especially with that second unit. Um, regardless of what the stat sheet shows, you know, at the end of the game, you – you know when MCW was out there based on the way the Magic performed defensively, in my opinion. That's the guy you want. He's a glue yeah. guy. You have yeah. him on court, he changes the game. Defensively, energy, that he changes the game. Uh, putting Michael Carter Williams on him, he's a little too small. Right. Awandu's your best bet. Uh, Ennis, uh, I would, Tim Burke, you just got to throw bodies at him or let him see the double team, make him work like – if, if, if Kim Birch and Vooch can just be big, they only got to reach, just, just let him hit, mm, just bang, just fill him, just fill him. Like when he goes to make a move and the double team comes and he make him make the play, make him kick it out. Because he, like you said, he's going to have the ball the majority of the time. And he can win game one by himself. Game right. two, three, and four, the fatigue starts taking its toll. And that's what we're trying to get. Can we wear him down? By the fourth quarter, he's low on gas. He can't make that move. He's not as explosive. He's, he's shying away from contact or he's frustrated. So it's a process. You got to chop the tree. Like when you go out there to chop a tree with an axe, it don't, it don't happen one swing. Right. So we got to – it's a process of trying to get him to wear down because everybody in the league know who's going to have the ball. But – how do you stop it? I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, I'm just voicing my opinion. How to do it? I don't know. But 
if I can get him to shoot jumpers, cool. That's uh, I, I'm taking that right there. Yeah, I think you got a lot. Who does does he remind you of anybody? Like, I mean, they call him the Greek freak for a reason. Is there is there anybody from your playing days who who he looks like or reminds you of? There ain't nobody who's six eleven moves like he does, was there? Nah, yeah, Kevin Garnett did, but he right. shot the ball better. Kevin Garnett had the package, but uh, he's bigger. He's he might be a little stronger than Garnett, but I don't know if he has the intensity of Garnett. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. it kind of balances out there. Uh, Derek Coleman wasn't. He was very skilled. He wasn't strong, solid. He wasn't as agile, I should say, but he was very skilled. Well, and it's different because you know, if Giannis played when you played, he would have been a four and they would have made him put his back to the basket like they did with Derek Coleman. DC, I used to see him up in Detroit a lot. He's still around. He's a good guy. Yeah, he but he, he his back to the basket, but he, he stretched it all the way out to the three-point line. Right. He had moves. He could spin. He could post up. He could do it. So it's just the speed of Derek Coleman and Giannis is different. One was a lot faster. One was more skilled. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. once again, a push, push. Uh, those three guys pretty good. Dirk Nowinski, young Dirk, just yeah, he's he's yeah. Giannis is not like Dirk. <laughs> Dirk's a score from anyone on the court. Yeah, and that fade, oh, that uh, that that one, one leg fade, fade, that was poetry. You want to call it that? <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh. That was beautiful, unless you were on the other side of it. I'm sure. I was about to say it was not beautiful because <laughs> I wasn't on his team, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, defensively, I just read a big piece. Um, a guy named Eric Name did a, a, a big sort of deep dive into Milwaukee's defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it was essentially just about what Brooke Lopez does. Uh, getting those 2.9 seconds in the paint, making sure if somebody's crossing through, um, cutting through, you're, you're checking them, you're, you're, you're cleansing yourself, right, um, as far as the three seconds goes. Everything they do is just, you know, the guards just funnel everything uh, to Brooke Lopez, and you know, in this day and age, you know, Brooke Lopez don't defend like you used to, where like a you know a shot blocking you know help side guy does. I mean, he just sort of stands there and lets his size do the work. Um, but he, I think he, you got to figure out a way to to counteract that if you're the Magic. He's the key defensively. We talk so much about Giannis, and yeah, he's great, but Brooke Lopez is the engine that drives that Bucks defense. But who is he guarding when he's helping like that? He's not. You can't do that with Vooch. If he wants to be in the paint trying to help and Vooch is standing by the three-point line, he's going to have wide open shot after shot after shot. See, isn't that the key, though? If Vooch is knocking down threes, I think he got a shot. He doesn't got to knock down threes. He just got to knock down shots. Yeah. Like, if he's 17-footer, if he's getting uncontested 17-foot shot, it's a pretty good chance Vooch is going to make all those. Yeah, for sure. So, therefore, that causes Lopez to come back. And as to my point earlier, Lopez – is he's a banger. So that's what I was trying to say to us. If we can do with the Lopez effect, and whenever he gets a bucket, fill him, fill him, fill him. It takes its toll. Mm. Just be big. You don't got to block the shot. You just got to fill me. And Lopez, is a, he's a key for them because, as you notice the last couple of games, what has he been doing more of? Posting up. Mm. Brooklyn, he's, Brooklyn. He's Brooklyn, you're not, not Robin, but Brooklyn has been down there taking advantage of mismatches. If he sets the pick and switch, he posts up immediately. So he's taking advantage of his size on both ends of the court. He's their X factor. 
Like, you know who's going to get the ball. If Brooke Lopez come out, hit them threes like he does, gets three blocks, and get people in foul trouble, oh, my goodness. It's going to be a long couple of weeks, couple of days. Yes, it will. Because, like I say, if I told you to name that team and say, who you who you trying to stop? You're going to say, I'm just a Kumpo, Middleton, Bledsoe. Lopez is going to probably be fourth on that list. Even, you know what I'm saying? Right. But in reality, he's right up there, up to the top of the list because he does it on both sides of the ball. And isn't it funny how that's, I mean, that's what you want out of a center these days, essentially, is I need you to space the floor, probably, unless you're a great offensive player. But if you got Giannis next to you, you can't be clogging up the lane um, on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, you just want, you want to make sure that there's nothing free, nothing easy. So basically, if you're a shot blocking three-point shooter these days, you're about to get paid. Most definitely. Like you just said, how do you tell your center to get out the way for your, for your small, uh, small four power forward? Get out the paint. Where, you know what I'm saying? So that lets you know Ante the Kumpo's buckets are in the paint. So Lopez has to make shots. If he doesn't make shots, he's helping us. Right. He's, he's clogging things up. Yes. Yeah, so, and that goes, when you say clogging things up, that goes back to my point. Getting bodies on Ante the Kumpo. So I'm ready for it. I just, I just hope, like you said, we're, we're healthy. We yeah, got. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, right? Like, it, it, it's going to be a long couple days if Evan ain't Evan and if Aaron ain't Aaron. Um, and if you don't get T. Ross back and, you know, you expect to have all these guys um, in there and ready to go. But, you know, those you need those guys. I mean, I always say if you're like Vooch is going to be Vooch night to night. But if you don't have, uh, you know, four or five threes from Terrence or 20 plus points from Evan, then this team just struggles to put enough points on the board to win games. Um, it should be a defensive identity team. But as we know, in this league these days, you got to get up over 110 to have a shot. And, and, and the offense, it just comes and goes. And it always really seems to boil down to, is Evan cooking or is Terrence knocking down threes? Yeah, but, but our role players have been doing a pretty good job. They can come in and give us a good five minutes here and there in spurts. Because you said, like you said, we, got, we don't got four players. We got four key players. Right that are injured are coming back. Like you said, Gordon, Fournier, Ross, Michael Carter. Like, do you see the names you just named? <laughs> Those are four guys that play major <laughs> roles for us. Yeah. So this is how you flip that. The good side. They were, they were out and, and bothered. So we got some court time for some other guys. Little confidence come in. Can they take that confidence in the playoffs? Because this is a whole nother level of basketball playoffs. Right. Whole nother level. You got an X factor in mind? Like who who of those guys that we've seen the last couple of days do you think could play a role in this series? I don't know, man. That's gonna be rough. What what I do like is Fultz is playing well. Yeah. He's getting his rhythm back. That's great. So when you got Fultz and Augustine playing well, that makes it good for us. Because those two guys are capable of giving you 15 a night. Both of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Six to eight so, assists alongside would be nice as well. Exactly. And that's the easy part for them. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't, they don't dish it. That means the other guys got to make shots. They're going to get you to open shots. You just got to make them. But that's 15 points and six assists. That's 30 between them two plus another 30 they got. So that's 60 points right there but by two guys. So See, I think it's going to boil down to that. I, I, I think you got to either have 
you know, you got to either be attacking with, with DJ and Vooch pick and roll, or Markel's got to be getting up and down the floor, getting into the paint and collapsing the defense. And, and we know Milwaukee is just going, I mean, they're going to pack the paint. They're going to make us try to beat them um, shooting for perimeter jumpers. So if you don't have some inside out action and you're just moving the ball around and not making that defense move, like move, move, then you're in trouble. Well, we're pretty good at moving the ball. Yeah, it sticks sometime, but we we bang 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 and get that defense going, and then we're in tight mode. Like you said, our guards are really good. If those two come in and and we add the third guard as an MCW, we're really good because we got three legit guards right there. And I think so, at times, I think at, you, I think you'll probably see, especially if if Evan or Terrence aren't right, but um, against this team, I think you'll probably see DJ and Markel on the floor together quite a bit, don't you think? Yes, that that would not be a problem because Bledsoe out there and Middleton and DiVincenzo, it's not really a big difference right there because Fultz is big enough to guard any one of them. Right. So it, it's advantage us, but the problem with that is then you've got both your guards on the court. So who's going to give with the one a breather? Right. One of them, yeah, one of them's uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't play 48 minutes. That's going to be it. Hey, Wes, the one dude had some spot point guard minutes the other night. He could at least initiate the offense a little bit. I don't know if that's the best strategy, uh, but we know he's got it in him. Right. We, that's, that's, that's the five things. In case of emergency, break glass, we'll use it. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like when I play point when I'm playing pickup. Well, exactly. I got to ask you about 2001, Bo. How much do you remember about that series? That was a good Bucks team, wasn't it? It's, a, I think, a really underrated Bucks team when you go back I don't in know history. If you think it was underrated? No, man. Them dudes had three guys that was a problem. Sam know, Cassell. But people, but people, all anybody thinks about on that team is Ray Allen. People don't remember how good Sam Cassell was. And I don't and think anybody, I don't think Big Dog gets anywhere the, the credit he, he deserves. That dude, that was almost, man, that dude gets, man, he was a problem. He was, wasn't he? He didn't play no defense. But he's gonna get every. He played no defense. He played no defense. But he can get you a bucket with the best of them. Anybody in the league, he's in that scoring possibility. He can score with the best of them. But what uh, was that series? That like? What was that year like? Because that was that was what a, a year removed from Hart and Hustle. Um, that group. I mean, you know, y'all. What was it? It was a four-one series, I think, um, yeah, against that man. Milwaukee team, and that was a sixty-win team. But that had to feel good getting back that next year and, and, and getting over the hump and just getting some postseason basketball. In your, in your life. Yeah, man, it was a rough series. Those dudes, I think that's their identity. They're physical. They, they were letting you know they were coming. They had, I think Irvin Johnson was a like big, and he's yeah. a physical guy, man. Back then, physicality was okay. You know what I'm saying? So getting hit was not a problem. And we, we tried to do the best we could, but those three guys could score, like flat-out score. Mr. Mid-Range, Sam Cassell, and the other two spread the court. So uh, I think they had Tim Thomas. I don't know if he's still there, but it was a, they were a pretty good team. And we had a chance of winning. It's just we couldn't get over the hump, man. Like they were, they were making shots, and uh, it was a tough, it was a tough series for us. But we just could not get over the hump. And that version of Ray Allen, like Milwaukee Ray Allen, I mean, that was that was Jesus Shuttlesworth. That he was something special at that. But he, I mean, he was his whole career. But I feel like people look back on it and they and they remember Boston, they remember Miami, and they think of Ray Allen as as just a three point specialist. That two thousand one Ray Allen, I mean, that was a dunk contest and a three point shootout uh, uh, contender type type guy. He was he was special. Nah, that guy went to the bucket with the best of. He's mm. way more athletic than people give him credit for. Yeah. 
So with that being said, he, he shot his jumper at a high clip, like got off the floor, then he turned the corner. He's he had big hands. He could just he could play, man. The guy's who he is for a reason. All the credit, all the accolades he got, he deserved because he he flat out can play the game. Lindsey Hunter was on that team, my old broadcast buddy from Detroit. He's a yes. good guy. And then and then the bottom of the roster, I think he played he played one game in that series, or maybe all year. No, yeah, he played one uh not even a minute. He got on the floor, I think, in garbage time. Guy by the name of Rafer Alston was on that Milwaukee team. How about that? Skip to my Lou. <laughs> and I was a young skip though. Right. So he was just getting into the league. So yeah. But he, as you notice, he has some good mentors, and it paid off for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's like going to school when, when you're a point guard and Sam Cassell's on the roster, isn't it? Yes, most definitely. So, All right, man. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, I'm excited for this. Give me, give me, before we go, give me one key. Like, the Magic must do this if they're going to be able to pull off, pull off this win. I know we, we kind of covered it already, but, but give me one thing to point to that you say, if the Magic can accomplish this, then they're going to be sitting pretty. Uh, consistency. Okay. We're going to have to be consistent on both sides, making shots and, and defensive assignments. We're going to have to be consistent. We can't be having those letdowns because, like I always say, you're going to miss shots, but you can't miss assignments on defense. Mm. Not against this team. <laughs> no, you you're gonna miss you're gonna miss your shot. But if you miss a shot, don't go down there and let them get an easy shot. Right, exactly. Them, Compound so. a problem. Yes, sir. All right, he's Bo Outlaw, Magic Legend, uh, as we always like to say. Dude, I appreciate the time. As always, let's do it again sometime, okay? Most definitely. Just let me know. I'm ready for you. So during these playoffs, if you want to say, hey, after game one, this is what it looks like. Let's get it. We can talk about it. Let's do it. I love it. I appreciate that. Bo Outlaw, it's the Magic Weekly Podcast. My name is Jake Chapman. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Chapman OM. And uh, we'll be back next week.